I'm Amy, sex educator, sex and relationship coach, and co-owner of purepleasureshop.com. And I'm April, sex toy maven, VP of Hot Octopus, and I've dedicated my life to the business of sex. We're two people with a passion for educating and inspiring shame-free conversations about sex and relationships. Welcome Welcome to to the the Shameless Sex Revolution. Revolution. Want to learn more? Go to shamelesssex.com. And for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code SHAMELESSSEX at purepleasureshop.com. You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Well, hello, everyone. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Shameless Sex Podcast. OMG, it's December. Not today, but when this episode comes out. December, it's, it's true. December. Oh, it's almost December. We're a couple of days We're, away. But that, but when this episode's out, it's December. Okay. Do you remember when we first started our podcast? And one thing we said was when Dan Savage <gasps> is on our show, we we're, know we're gonna cream our panties. That we have been in podcast heaven. Woo! And guess what? It happened. It happened. It's and happening. Today's the day. Today's the release. Yeah, and we creamed our panties. We. <laughs> Yeah, I, I do want to buy them. They're expensive. <laughs> $1,000 a pop. Amy, stop. You're making me uncomfortable. <laughs> I did not. I don't wear underwear for so oh, long. I cream mine. And so. I don't want to, you know. If you want to buy her expensive I don't pants, these- $2,000 a pop. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> anyways, uh, Dan was so fun to record. We were, we were on his show. And I don't know if his show has come out yet. I'm not sure. This is all this last week. Right. Um, but either way, yeah. we were on a show first. And it was so fun. Yes. Do you remember how much uh, it felt like we were talking to a friend? He's, yeah, he's he's also he had us answer uh, or help answer some sex questions from his call in listeners, which I was like, why don't we do that? But we have a different focus. Um, and I love that he does that. <laughs> like We don't have time for that. But um, it was so much fun. And then the next day he gets on our show and we talk about all kinds of things. But specifically, we're talking about a book that he recently wrote. Well, in the last two years is Savage Love from A to Z. And it has all these different so terms yeah. that he created most of them. You know, things like GGG, if ever, anyone knows this, or monogamish, or we fuck talk- first. Yes. Well, we don't even give <laughs> you know, it I'm away. I'm not going to tell you what they are. you have to listen to the episode yeah. and get the book because yeah. it's small. It's easy to have on. It's if like you coffee want, table ready. It should toilet, go next to our book. Reading. You because know, people love toilet reading. <laughs> it's a toilet People book. do. No, I'm serious. You have one on your I do. Back it's your- called Everybody Poops. Yeah, <laughs> which I like. Um, it's actually not that one. It's one, one that from Tushy that they gave us. But so his book is this bright yellow cover too, and ours is this bright teal with yellow. And they did, they're basically designed to be next to each other, like on a coffee table. Well, also, he is the best advisor on just no nonsense. Yes, give zero fucks advice from the bo- but I very feel like well it's, educated, like very yes, informative. But yeah. it's from the bottom of his like heart, meaning he means it. And I love it because he's a sex educator. He's so intelligent. Yeah. Uh, I look up to him in yeah. so many ways. And one of the OG podcasters, he started in the podcast game the same time as Sex with Emily, which was like in 2005, 2006. So yeah, this is just like such an honor to host Dan on our show. 
He's a brilliant so, writer too. Yes. A yeah, syndicated columnist. Like he is so smart. So yeah. anyway, so I am everyone fangirling out. We fangirled. We fangirled. Yeah. We and did. everyone listening, you're welcome. <laughs> so stay tuned for a really epic episode with Dan Savage. Dreams so, do come true. They baby. do. I know. What's next? Manifesting. I'm going to start he flying. He even said he wanted us back again. And we're like, oh, oh my God, really? Dan. Okay. I'm blushing. Okay. Yeah. I never, I never get, like I lived in LA and I saw a lot of celebrities when I was out. I never cared. I don't give zero fucks. But Dan Savage is. But Dan Savage, Dan Savage. is Dan Savage. Yeah. I was like, I want to hang out with you. Amy's like, everyone wants to hang out with him, April. I was like, God <laughs> damn it. He's like, yeah, about that. Uh, no, I think that he liked us. <laughs> Dan, write us and let us Dan, know. what do you think about us? We're feeling a little down right now. <laughs> we need you to help our worthiness barriers over here. <laughs> Fill up my cup. It's wah, a little wah. empty. Got a hole in the bottom. <laughs> Can't repair it myself. All right. So <laughs> I'm scooping water out. Go- Help. I need sandbags. Help. Okay. Anyway, speaking of sandbags, just kidding. <laughs> salt bags. We're going to what, salt. What you- oh. <laughs> Bad transition. Oh, I just got that was actually quite Thank smart. you. I'm laughing. I'm laughing hysterically. I think I'm funny. We love Salt Lake City. We love Salt Lake City. So when this episode comes out on Tuesday, I believe December 5th, we will be in Salt Lake City only a couple days after that and are having an event on the 8th. So if you hear this on Tuesday and you're in Salt Lake City or near there and you want to come, sign up ASAP. It's a freaky Friday, y'all. And guess what? It's only 30 bucks and you get a copy of our book. Yeah. And we'll sign it because we're there. We're signing it and you get a mini workshop. Mm -hmm. And every time we've done an event at Blue Boutique Sugar House, Uh which... Sugar House is an area of Salt Lake City. If y'all don't know, now you know. Last time we we had people fly in from yeah, Texas, from awesome. Seattle, and even friends that I knew. One of my friends that lives in Salt Lake City, if you're listening, please come again. Come again. I would love to see you. They had such a great time mm-hmm. and it will be standing room only because we've always sold out every single event we've done at Salt Lake City. We've yeah. sold out. And I think there's like, I listened to an episode that we did last week, you and I, and I was in the intro and I said, there's maybe 60 spots. I think it's more it's like 40. Yeah, it it's, might it's be less. 40. It yeah. might be long. Yeah, it might be. Yeah. So the the mini workshop is how to have shameless sex. And then the event is us there in person with the book signing. So again, Friday, December 8th, 2023, everyone, 6 to 8 p.m. at Blue Boutique's Sugar House location. Like April said, the link is in the episode's description where you can buy tickets. It's an event uh, Eventbrite link. Um, so go sign up ASAP. Come hang out and with us. And by the way, the book is $28.95. So $30 and basically a, get a free That's book. a discount. I mean... For real, though. Yeah. And yeah. that's courtesy of Blue Boutique. Thank you. Mm-hmm. We yes. love you. We love Blue Boutique. And if, and if you can't make it for the event, go to Blue Boutique for another time because that is one of our favorite adult stores in Salt Lake City. Do you remember that giant lion head I bought from one of the stores? Yes. And I brought it home. It was a backpack. Yes. And I actually gave it to one of my friend's 12-year-olds like because it was a total 12-year-old 12, 12 gift. But cute. I loved that thing. And people, I brought like it home on the plane. It was a rave backpack. It was a rave backpack. It was a giant lion head. It looked like that. Remember that show, The Lion, or it's a movie in the book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Yeah. It was like the Narnia lion. Narnia. I don't remember his. Narnia just sounds psychedelic, like you're a little rave baby. It was a too rave baby. Drugs. It was the Narnia. <laughs> it was, it was, so the king. But anyway, that Blue Boutique has cool shit like that. Yeah. So if you're in Salt Lake City, they have four different stores. Yeah. And, it's pretty, go check them it's out. pretty much worth it to go there. You can mm-hmm. even get a piercing, and, ooh. which I'm not doing. We're doing that when we're there. No. If you guys pierce your, if you, what are you going to pierce? Yeah. 
your nipple <laughs> not mine <laughs> i don't think so um okay anyway <laughs> actually i what so just side note i won't say too much i actually do want to get a second nose piercing though where next to the other one. Oh, i thought you meant like on the other <laughs> no nostril. double double hoops i'm refusing to ever get any uh nose piercing until i do it in your sleep i get my clip pierced maybe well that sounds like a terrible idea you know about the healing process yeah oh my god all right anyways let's move on <laughs> so real quick everyone uh we already talked about our book but if you have not purchased our book go and get our book it is wonderful it's the book that we wish we had when we were 18 28 38 48 58 60. what's it called it's called shameless sex Choose your own pleasure path to unlock the sex life you've been waiting for. Now, we were pushing for y'all to buy the hardcover. We're still are pushing for that. And the audio is out and we read it ourselves. I think we're and gently we stroking it. that they Sorry. buy it. We're gently stroking you. <laughs> Do you feel that? Do you like it? Good boy. Good girl. Good oh, dog. Good human. Good human. What? No good dog? <laughs> You're petting your dog right now. You're petting him with You're petting my foot, foot at the same time. This is weird. Uh, anyway, so go, so go by. So anyways, the holidays are around the corner, everyone. Uh, everyone needs a little shameless sex. And the book offers a lot of tips, tools, m- formulas, things that we don't offer on the podcast. So go and please, please, please support us. Go and get that gift to everyone that you know, 18 and up, hopefully. But, you know, I don't know, 16. I, I will say my mom read it slash is almost done with it and she loves it and my mom is conservative and she said i'm really proud of you i mean if my mom could read it she's not offended by anything it's not explicit in a way where you you couldn't give it to your own kin i also heard from our friend who i won't say names the other day who he was talking about our book you talked to him too and he was saying one reason that he really liked it was that when he reads kind of like self-help books it They're listy as fuck. Listy, That's what he to- yeah, yes. listy and kind of dull, and it's not. It's not just like here, do all these things. It's playful. It's informative. It's our own stories. It's other people's stories. It's. It's not even other people's stories. It's our questions. Advice. Sorry, questions. Yes, yeah, other yeah. people's questions yeah. that we've taken from real live pod- podcast listeners, mm-hmm. just like you right now, like you. And if you have purchased our book and you have not written a review, please go and write a review on Amazon, on Barnes and Noble, Why wherever you bought books. Why is it important to write a review, Amy? Because it makes us more searchable, and it makes people actually want to buy the books they're like oh other people said it's awesome so i should buy i the will book say too. amazon is super specific about their reviews so if you haven't purchased the book from amazon you will not be able to write a review they are really really diligent that's about that's good i don't like yes, fake reviews i, I want hate, real reviews I, I hate fake reviews but i did buy about five books off amazon because i've given them to oh yeah we're gifting gifts. them up a storm everyone i know is getting shameless sex fuck yeah dude and they're gonna be stoked yes. you're welcome you're welcome and so wherever you purchase the book from whether it's if you want the audible version write a review there and we're not getting off on a tangent it just is really important i appreciate review culture only because it helps people like us we're not celebrities right no. we we do what we do because we love humans and we want humans to have more pleasure and more consent in their pleasure and to have better lives and change the world one yeah. human at a time one orgasm at a time and, we'll, and so that helps a review helps and as we grow um our book we it will be able to be translated in other languages which means it's more global more shameless sex for the world Woohoo! all right that was a good tangent all right this high la- air five digital air five, high five. Boom, boom this boom okay uh last one before we go into sex question um and i won't talk about this too much but our uh, upcoming retreat in tulum is online this is for the end of april we just did april 2024 everyone um, this is for women, for vulva owners. And you can go to our website, shamelessex.com to learn more. We just had our retreat. We have 70 people on the wait list. Yeah, 70 so, people on the wait list. So go, so go to shamelessex.com <laughs> and check it out. And yeah. we won't say anything else because Mic drop. it's going to sell out. Come join us in Tulum. All right. Ready for sex question? Oh, also the reviews we had from our last retreat. Fucking incredible. I know. Like I feel like I got book left. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I like, love when you say book um, left. It's emotional. And and she gets amazing. like five tears in her left eye. 
Uh, I, yeah, I do. And two in her right. Or at first sex question. I got mascara. <laughs> I've listened to a number of your episodes on anal sex. Ooh, April, this one's for you. Uh, and I'm still a little confused about the difference between plugs and beads. What is the difference and which one is better for anal sex with my partner? Hmm. That's a good, like, simple question. Because I think a lot of people get confused with these things. If you don't know about them, you'd be like, is an anal plug supposed to plug my ass when it's leaking? Well, also, th- that could be vibrating versus non There's so many depth to this yeah anal depth Ooh, i see what you did there okay so plugs generally use for either the feeling of fullness so like the experience of the plug by itself or maybe as a vibrator the vibrations feel good although you mostly just feel the vibrations on the anus and not inside of the anal canal or rectum you don't have as many nerve endings in there or you are using a plug to relax the muscles so that when you move to something larger which this might apply more to this person because it's better for partner sex although beads have another purpose that can be great but if you want to move to actual penetrative anal sex so like with a cock or a dildo or something the plug can help to relax those muscles so that when you're using the larger object um human or non-human make sure it's anal safe it has a flange or it's connected to a body then it's easier to insert i learned about the benefits of plugs way before i had any experience with anal play and when i worked at pure pleasure i remember I asked you, I was like, so why is anal sex so difficult? Amy, ask Amy, which I did. Why is anal sex so difficult? It, it like it hurts. And you're like, yo, they are wearing plugs. Like the porn stars that have anal scenes wear plugs to relax their muscles mm-hmm. for sometimes hours before. Yeah. And that made so much sense to me. You pull and it out that, right before the anal scene, yes. ass is ready. And so it made that. And then they squirt lube up there too, that you don't see right, that. Right, yeah. right. And so if you want a pleasurable experience, depending on even, you can... The, the I think the larger the plug, so you can get different sizes. Obviously, like a smaller, medium, or large. I love the the yeah I, yeah. So I'll let you finish with that. Well, yeah. the, I mean, I'm almost done. Yeah. But like you can you can take more in mm-hmm. for, through the rear if you have a larger plug. And it's not supposed to hurt. Like you're like, oh, it hurts. That's when you're not doing it. I'm, I'm doing air quotes when I say right because it's not right, but you're not doing it in a way that is is making it comfortable when whether that's like more slowness, a lot of lube, relaxing the muscles because it really shouldn't hurt. Yes, discomfort is normal while the muscles are relaxing, but pain means like tearing. It could be like microscopic tears. But so the fissures, the fissures. Yeah, it shouldn't be painful. But the discomfort is like the discomfort is like this is a lot. This is a lot, but not like burning. Like oh my god, I'm ripping. Um, they're different things. And then so beads, beads, and beads can come in like a bead plug combo, but it's usually some sort of like strand. So I used to think it was almost like supposed to be before. My like a necklace education no oh. <laughs> well, i mean no but some of them could be nice i was thinking that you would just rip put them, them out in and then put it like a like a lot la- like a lawnmower a, like a lawnmower yes yeah, so and you were like no. no and i was like okay because i was scared of them so the, yeah but now i know so and the, please continue so i just the, wanted to say <laughs> yeah so the beads are designed to be inserted into the anus with a lot of lube and then when you are like right before orgasm or during orgasm you or your partner slowly not like a lawnmower like wah, 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 but you slowly slowly pull them out and that like each chain, bead not the same no yeah like <laughs> sorry this is a chain boop, 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 boop. Um, i don't know what i'm doing but anyway so when you slowly move them out each bead moves through on like like i said earlier the anus that has a lot of ner- nerve endings it moves out of the anus and so it provides this like boop, 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 sensation which can feel really nice and enhance your orgasmic process or experience uh, so they do different things right like 
plugs are giving you something that can help either give you that fullness now that can feel really good or we forgot to say plugs can also put pressure if you have a a vagina vaginal canal plugs can can put pressure through the anal canal onto the vaginal canal where it makes everything tighter so that you can get better G G spot Mm -hmm. G area access that's why I love just a finger in the bum too if I don't have access to my plug I want to say one other thing just adding to so I didn't know that when you have stuff, this is, I'm talking from years of being experienced now in the world of sex toys. And when you have, when you see, you know, when you go to the the sex shops and they have those like really inexpensive anal beads with like little strings. Disposable. They're just pretty much disposable, but they're not sold. And they look like they could break really easily. And they also have little strings like that actually hold in bacteria and they're like plastic and they they smell so those will hold in bacteria and the silicone ones are the ones that you want to go they're flexible they'll kind of move with your body warm up to your body but i didn't realize how i've actually never used those the string connecting beads i haven't either they freaked me out i'm like what if one well you said that to me and i'm like i'm never gonna put those in but the silicone beads are awesome because they will sort of go into your they'll kind of contour with your body even yeah. when they're structured no matter what your body's shaped like so and some it's of the, helpful the silicone bead i'm mean, saying strands but a lot of them are just kind of like one piece but it's all these different beads on it they can look like a lot you don't have to use the whole thing you can put like three or four in and then have like a little tail hanging out so you decide what, you, what you're so this person asking what's better for anal sex with my partner it depends what you're trying to do. Do you want to just enhance your orgasm? It's not about anal penetration with a cock or dildo. Then beads can be a really great option or a plug could still be a good option if you want like the vibrating component or that feeling of fullness or making the vaginal canal tighter. But if you are moving, if you want to move to something larger, like a homegrown cock or a dildo, then I would say a plug. So that can help relax your muscles so that, so that when after and you, you put it in, do other things, other things that are like turning you on, other play things. You can go sit through a movie. With you a can plug watch a movie on. with a plug in. If it has a, it it has a nice base that's comfortable, you could, if that fits right between your cheeks. Yeah. You can sit and watch a movie. I've done it. Totally. You can watch a movie and then you can take it out and be like, I'm ready. Remember the story I was talking about? Spending four hour movies, fucking, I don't know. Remember the story about the the, the, uh, the person who used to work at Pure Pleasure would wear the butt bling butt plug? Oh, yeah. To the dentist because the, the dentist scared with the her. The crystal. Yeah. So because she was like, I'm terrified of the dentist, but I know I'm wearing a cool butt plug that has That's, like oh. a diamond coming out of it. Also, do they make nowadays? I was asked because when I worked at Pure Pleasure, I don't remember any vibrating anal beads. Do they have they vibrating do. anal yes. beads? Now? Yeah. Okay. So there are vibrating anal be- vibrating anal beads. They're generally by companies like B-Vibe uh, is the company, perfect name for it, or Vito or Vedo, V-E-D-O. Um, so they have vibrating beads. So if you want to go and get yourself some good beads or plugs, you can go to Pure Pleasure Shop right now. And until I believe it's December 15th. So you, when this comes out, you have 10 days. Instead of our usual 15% discount, Pure Pleasure is offering you a 20% discount on pretty much the entire store if you use coupon code COMETOGETHER20. Ooh. And just some other plugs. Okay, See what plugs I did? with flex. That's Please, what's going to plug. I design that. <laughs> it is so good. Yeah. It's, it's a good plug. And you can use it. Anyone can use it. It has two. It also has two motors, treble and bass. So you get the sphincter opening, which we talk about in our book. You have some nerve endings, but you're, you know, you're the opening of your butthole. Ooh, uh, butthole. Has like as many sensations or as, or, as, as many nerve endings yeah. as your lips. So if you touch your lips, you can kind of feel. So we put that bass motor and then it's flexible. So if you're 
you're moving around and there's a remote. I love that toy. Yeah. It's 99 bucks and you get how, like how much? That's a good deal. Yeah, 20%, 20% off. 20% I, off. Oh, I, so I love always. that toy for a couple of reasons. One is it can get to the prostate. Not all anal plugs can. That's true. Number two, if you don't have a prostate and you are a vulva owner, it's still great for anal play. It has a nice thin neck so it can rest between the cheeks really. Well, not the cheeks, sorry, the um, anal canal or the, in the anus really well. Was a lot of the other ones with a thick neck are, they're trying to pop out. Number three, you can use it, clean it well, but you can use it for G-spot vulva stimulation yes. too. Almost like a dilator It's too. multiple toys yes. in one. And it, since it's flexible, you can move your hips around. I love that yeah. you love that toy. It's Thank an you. awesome toy. So the Plex, Plex with, with Flex lips. Hot Octopus. And the last plug I will Aww. give you, <laughs> pun intended, is Uber Lube, everyone. Or just really good fucking lube, but there's no lube better than Uber Lube in our opinion. I can't use anything else for my ass. Me either. I'm not kidding. I mean, I don't I'm use any other lube other than Uber Lube for anything. I'm almost <laughs> out. My partner, we were banging this morning and he was you like- ran out of lube? Well, we have more in the other cabinet, oh. but he was like, it was yeah. like the Tin Man. Remember the Tin Man? <laughs> I was like, rusty. And I'm like, babe, I was like, come on. And he's like, how are we always out of lube? So I'll and give I was you. Like, we're not out. We're just. Like, I'm going to give you one of the larger bottles that they have, the 112, oh. because oh. that's. So I've always been rocking the smaller bottles. It's like smaller by my nightstand. Yeah. And Uber Lube, a little bit goes a long way. It lasts forever. Uh, we're not forever, but a long time. And you bang a couple times a day, which is like, yeah. My system. Thank you, and testosterone. The, or if you're pellet. doing the anals, the yes, anals. I know. Right. So they'll give you the large bottle but uber lube hands down one of the best lubes in our opinion so go try it out and that is our plug on plug and it plug. is pretty devastating when you run out of the lube though it's like yes it makes that sound no! and i was like Fucking yeah out. don't move to like canola oil okay uh-uh. oh my god why are you on this okay we're not talking about that <laughs> um anyway let's move on to dan savage's bio yes are you ready great question though i love a good question come together 20 i like that too come did together. your mom think of that yeah she's smart oh, i love that she's the best um so dan savage is a sex advice columnist a podcaster, an author, and has appeared on numerous television shows. Savage Love, Dan's sex advice column, first appeared in The Stranger, Seattle's alternative weekly, in 1991, and is now syndicated worldwide. In 2006, Dan launched The Savage Lovecast, a weekly call-in sex advice podcast. The Savage Lovecast has 600,000 unique monthly downloads, 20,000 paying subscribers for premium magnum content, and ranks consistently in the top 10 sexuality podcasts on Apple Podcasts. To learn more, go to savage.love. All right, everyone, it is interview time. And I know that I open up so many of our interviews, but this is a really exciting, special interview. But this is a really exciting and special interview because we are here today with the one, the only Dan Savage. I know I need to like an the announcer. Legend. The he legend. The legend. The legend. The man, the myth. He's not a myth. He's a legend. And he's Inspiration. a real yeah. <laughs> We are so excited to have Dan Savage on our show. Uh, we just guested on Dan's show uh, yesterday. I don't know when that will be up. And that was just a joy for us. We like, you know, fangirling out over here. And, uh, and now, like we're swapping yeah, facials. You came on mine, so I get to come on yours. <laughs> Perfect. Exactly. There, and there's Dan Savage, everyone. We probably don't need to like see a lot for the introduction, but yeah, so happy to have you here. And we are going to explore all kinds of things, Dan Savage, consensually, of course. But before we do that, Dan, can you please tell our listeners how you got to where you are today in the field of sexuality? By accident, um, I met someone who's about to start a newspaper in the very early 90s. It was 1990, actually. And he was telling me about his newspaper and I looked at him and said, oh, you should have an advice column because everybody reads those. You see the Q&A format, you can't not stop and read it. And he said, excellent advice. Why don't you write the advice column? And 
it's hard for people to imagine now, but then the idea of a gay guy giving sex advice to straight people in a straight newspaper about straight sex was almost on its face absurd and ridiculous that a gay guy would tell straight people what to do because straight people like to tell us what to do or what not to do, especially in 1990. And the the column was going to be a joke. I was going to treat straight people and straight sex with the same contempt that heterosexual advice columnists had always treated gay people and gay sex with. You know, I grew up reading Ann Landers and Abigail Van Buren and the Playboy Advisor. And every once in a while, they would answer a question from a gay person, but they always kind of treated us like a turd on a fork. Mm. They were just kind of like holding us at arm's length and not wanting to get too close or seem too approving of that turd on the fork. And I was going to treat straight people like that. And it was going to be for like six months or a year and just like a joke column. But straight people had never been treated like that in print before and loved it and started sending me lots of real questions. Because I think, you know, now looking back, I read into earlier experiences in my life that were kind of setting me up for the career I have. When I first came out, all of my straight friends started coming to me for advice about sex, Mm. which is weird, right? You know, the girls thought, well, he's a guy, he gets guys, And we both sleep with guys, but we're not in competition. And the guys thought, well, the girls are confiding in him. And he sleeps with guys like the girls I want to sleep with sleep with guys. And so I had this kind of like straddling both worlds perspective that my straight friends benefited from hearing my thoughts about. And it just kind of took off with readers. And within the first year of writing Savage Love, it was syndicated. And it became a real advice column as opposed to a joke and took off. And then... 10, 12 years later, uh, Nancy Hartunian came to me and said, let's do a podcast. And then the Savage Love cast took off. And now it's been 32 years, oh, wow. 33 years. Yeah. I've been writing Savage Love and 16, 17 years doing the Love cast. You have just, you just have this uh, approach that's no nonsense. You give zero fucks. Like, what, what, I mean, I've received so much great information from you. But even when we were recording yesterday and sometimes you say things, you're like, I don't know. I just think, that, that they should have an affair like uh, we're talking about something from your show a, a question from a from a listener on your podcast and I love that because you're you're like yo sometimes things don't have to be sugar-coated you're you're still sex positive you're still a sex educator you still teach millions of people um about their own sexuality but your approach it makes sense that both men and women like had her, especially in the straight world came to you. I would co- not come on you, but come to you um, because well, the thing, the thing I really did differently when we started the column and it was a really conscious choice and it was really brave of the publisher, Tim Keck of the stranger, which is where my column originated was I, I said to him, let me let people use the language they actually use when they talk about sex with their friends in print, which really nobody had done. When you wrote about sex in print, you had to kind of write in this, medicalized sexual Sanskrit. You also had to write about the sex that everybody agreed everybody ought to be having, but not everybody was having or not everybody wanted to have. And that was part of what was really revolutionary about Savage Love at that moment was this was one place where you didn't have to say perform fellatio. You could say I sucked a dick, (laughs) right? In print, in a newspaper. Um, I just read your book, Shameless Sex, before you guys came on my show, you guys do that too. A lot of people do that. Though. Every you know, write about sex using uh, colloquialisms, uh, comforting vernacular. There's, I remember somebody tried to start a rival advice column to mine in Seattle a million years ago, 
And they were using the sexual Sanskrit because it was a more grown up newspaper than ours was. And I would say sucked a cock in my column. And she wrote in her column, I licked a penis, oh, which wow. actually sounds so much more graphic <laughs> yeah. and gross yeah. because you kind of pictured her like an ice cream cone. Yeah. Yeah. And that and confuses people like too. Comfortable. Yeah. And that's what you guys do in, in your book and on your show too. You use yeah. the language people use. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to take credit for that. There's a lot of kind of like sex positive movement stuff that was getting off the ground in the early 90s. But before the early 90s, you did not see that in print. Well, and that's the thing I wanted to ask you. So as a columnist, like a sex columnist since the night columnist, I can't say columnist (laughs) uh, since the 1990s, which is incredible because I'm sure there's been so many shifts since then. That's 30 plus years, you said. So podcasting since 2006, right? That was when you're, which podcasting was in its infancy then. I I mean, there were like maybe a hundred, right? You could, you could find some. Now there's like over two million and growing. Yeah. Yeah. 2.5 plus yeah, <laughs> so, I had it all to myself and now I have to compete with fucking Michelle Obama. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Everybody in their, and their mom and Michelle Obama has a podcast. So what major shifts have you witnessed since this the the birth of of your your human sexuality career really oh god so many shifts uh including you know in the early 90s there was that sort of shit posting shit talking edgelord stuff and that was all over my column that you could my column has a lot of, of humor in it and a lot of jokes in it i think if people are laughing it sets them up to learn like things can lodge themselves in your head more easily if you've had a laugh while you're listening to it or reading about it. Also, if you you write it in a funny, amusing way or you talk in a funny, amusing way, it pulls people in who then, when you get serious, will give you the time to be serious uh, and will pay attention. But, you know, 30 years ago, I reached for jokes. 30 years ago, I didn't think asexuality existed. I didn't even know about it. 30 years ago, I didn't think male bisexuality existed or was credible. Now I think it exists and is very credible. I learned as much writing my column about human sexuality uh, as I hope some of my readers did. It was as much an education for me. The first time I wrote about the clitoris, I put it in the wrong place. (laughs) That's awesome. You couldn't just Google clitoris if you were like some 26-year-old gay guy who's starting to write a sex column and know everything about it in two minutes. I had to go find somebody and ask her about it or go to a library and look it up, and I didn't. And it turns out the clitoris is not on the soft palate. That's where mine is. <laughs> oh it's not where yours was. But I didn't know that in 1990. <laughs> Actually, I didn't say it was on the soft palate. I said it was, I assumed it was way up the vaginal canal. That's how ignorant I was. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I can draw you a map. Mm-hmm. I'm like one of those people who's a, a, a savant, you know, autistic, and can draw you a map of the, the Tokyo subway system, but has never been to Japan. That's wow. me and Cunnilingus <laughs> and the female anatomy. I've never been to Japan, but I can draw you a map of that subway system. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I'm I'm like, yeah, I I can't draw a straight, like I can't even like draw a straight line for the life of me. So I'm not even going to try to compete with you and your artistry skills. Uh, okay, so th- I like this topic of language and you we will discuss your book, Savage Love, Love from A to Z. And you actually said that you like a long subtitle. So I'll read your long subtitle too, because we have one <laughs> advice on sex. Wait, and we counted the subtitle, oh, yeah. like the words yesterday. And we're like, oh, we, we be, have more. Damn be dance, but that's, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. So it's Savage Love from <laughs> A to Z, advice on sex and relationships, dating and mating 
dating exes and extras. Yes, our subtitle is longer, and I don't know if that's a great thing on our end. But anyways, before we go into discussing the language of the book, um, I had a, a question about the shifting language regarding sex and gender that ha- is my, in my opinion, has always been happening and is currently seeming maybe a little bit more. I don't know, like it, people are having some issues with it. I hear people all the time, like, wait, like, why, why are we adding these new words? I've actually heard people say they don't add new words to the dictionary. I'm like, actually, yes, they do regularly. New words are going to the dictionary <laughs> every year. So, what is your advice to people who are having a hard time with changing language? And an example for me will be like non-binary, yeah. they, them. That's a huge one. My partner struggles so much, and I'm like, dude, stop being a straight dude. Like, like a 55 year old straight man that is being ignorant, not right compute. Now. Yes. Yeah. I think two things can be true at once that there are words and terms and names for things now that we didn't have before that are useful uh and for many people very empowering. There are also some people out there who are playing fucking games and want things to be confusing and opaque and want language to not bring people in or open things up but to close things down. So there's kind of an in-group uh exclusionary uh, sorting that goes on with some of the more finely sliced, you know, how many fucking pride flags do we need? Like maybe I'm old uh, about some of this, but to create a sexual orientation out of every personality trait, every preference to me seems leaning too hard into this idea that identity is sacrosanct. And so if you have to describe everything that there is about you as identity so that so that it's somehow legitimate as if it, it can't be legitimate even if it's just part of your personality mm. or your preferences or your tastes which are i'm 60 years old almost your preferences personality tastes those things are fluid i think those things are way more fluid than gender and sexuality mm. and so locking them in as identity traits and you know having the flag tattooed on your butt whatever your personal pride flag is to me seems limiting so they, them, non-binary, asexual, bi-romantic, hetero-romantic, all these things I think are terrific. I've really advocated for this understanding of hetero-romantic, homo-romantic, and bi-romantic. I think that's helped a lot of bisexual people identify as bi, who used to think because they weren't equally attracted romantically to men and women, they weren't really bi, or bi didn't describe who they were. And when we cleft those things apart and sorted them, suddenly a lot of ways that people behaved made sense. Mm -hmm. And so I'm for a lot of this, you know, these new terms. On the other hand, there are some people out there who seem to want to lay in wait to get offended because they were waving the allosexual pride flag and you didn't know what that was. Mm -hmm. Most people don't know what allosexuals are. What with uh, the heteroflexibles one that became people problematic? Get, yeah, they get triggered by this. Like you're you're making by people invisible, we've and been call, we've been called out. Well, I was called out on our show for, for saying heteroflexible. Saying heteroflexible. Yeah, and why? And, why should you be called out on that? Everybody yeah. gets to pick the terms that like feel right for them. Yeah, you know, somebody identifies as whatever. You're not allowed to question that. Unless you have given, unless you're allowed to question that somehow. Yeah. I'm not allowed to say, I don't think uh, sapiosexuality is a thing. 
and people blow up at me. And then some of those same people will turn around and say, they don't think homosexuality is a thing. Mm-hmm. Wow. Really? Yeah. Okay. Everyone just has yes. to have their, okay. their I, like noses all up in other people's business. Like I, yeah. you created the monogamish, which I think it's is, on our list. Actually. It's, oh, it is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't want to skip. I mean, <laughs> okay. I don't want to skip, but that to me is so genius. And it's, it's, I, I don't think that's, disgracing monogamy right like say monogamish or non-monogamy it's it's i i I feel like that's a brilliant way to categorize uh folks that are and now i'm just like they're monogamish yes and i know people who are i think heteroflexible is a great way to describe a certain kind of mostly you know monogamish means mostly monogamous like usually when you're having sex with your partner maybe every once in a while you two have an adventure together or even some people use it just to mean we're monogamous but we acknowledge that we sometimes experience attraction or desire for others and we don't have to hide that from each other right but heteroflexible like mostly straight but every once in a while some incidental same-sex contact in a three-way you're comfortable with that that's what heteroflexible means and that doesn't negate the existence of bisexuals or pansexuals it means something distinct and different mm-hmm. and anybody who gave you grief about that you shouldn't have back on your show I, oh they well, were on our show, on our show. they were listeners. a listener yeah. and we we appreciate feedback when it's in it, when it's presented in a way that is positive and we're like uh or or even if it's critical if it's in a way that we're like wow we didn't mean to offend anyone however you can't please everyone and you probably know you've been doing this for a long time time for a quick break so we can tell you about our carefully chosen sponsors Please stay tuned and buy their products because we only tell you about what we love and what we truly believe in, and it helps keep this podcast free to you. And so speaking of language, mm-hmm. there's there's so much that you offer in, in your book. I love it's Savage Love from A to Z. So you created a lot of, of different um not only terms, but there's even, so there's an acronym that I want more details about. We're so going to start with the D. Yeah, we're going to start with the D. It's not <laughs> even the dick. We all know what that vitamin D is. Um, so let's talk about the DTMFA. Can you talk about what what DTMFA is? Because I want to use it. We're already. <laughs> you guys know you give sex and relationship <laughs> advice too. Like 80% of the questions, sometimes it feels like I'm in this relationship I love them. I love him. It's great. Da 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 da. But you know, every once in a while, he picks up a nail gun and shoots a couple of nails into my leg. And I've asked him not to. And it's just like, oh my god, dump the motherfucker already. <laughs> I think this is particularly a problem with women because of the way women are socialized yeah. to defer to men, to prioritize men's feelings. That women often need permission from friends or girlfriends or sex advice columnists to end a relationship that they don't feel that they have the right to enter a relationship without often what I get is without their male partner's permission. I've tried to break up with them and he won't agree to me ending the relationship. It's like, Oh no, no, no. This is the one place where consent. You don't have to agree. Yeah. 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 It's not a, it's not a conversation. You have to win the argument to get out of a relationship. You just need to say the words. Yeah. And so it sometimes felt like half my mail was, I started jokingly calling it, DTMFA, like dump the motherfucker already. Mm-hmm. And I had a file and I was like, oh, I should just put that in the column. And I did one day and it kind of took off and people began to use it. I w- want to use that. Amy and I have been criticized. I don't, this isn't about criticism. I just wonder if you've had the same experience for uh, people 
thinking that we tell folks to leave a relationship uh, more often than we should. They're like, well, we, we've had like we uh, rarely do, say that. We don't, by like, the way, these are the options, but sometimes have, yeah. you got to call a spade a spade, and maybe it is time to move on. We didn't say DTMFA, but now we could and be like, yo, as Dan Savage says, <laughs> dump that motherfucker. Well, my, my experience is often the opposite: is that I like to tinker and try to save relationships, and I think it's a lot of people out there listening are too quick to go for divorce. Mm -hmm. You should get a divorce as if that's an easy thing, as if that's not an enormous lift, as if somebody might have other reasons to stay in the relationship or, you know, are resigned to staying in the relationship. And how do you tinker with that relationship to make it more bearable or rewarding mm -hmm. or whatever? And I'm often under the hood tinkering while my listeners and readers are shouting, just tell them to get a divorce. Just tell them to break up. So even though I coined DTMFA and I often find myself saying, oh my God, dump the motherfucker and you don't need to win the argument. You just need to say the words. I get the opposite grief mm -hmm. that I'm not quick enough to say it's yeah. a deal breaker, leave the relationship, or this is unforgivable. I'm the guy who says that you should be able to get past an affair. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the call that you talked about us taking together on my show I'm the jerk who thinks sometimes cheating is the least worst option for all involved, including the person being cheated on mm -hmm. sometimes. Yeah. And I'm willing to pass out those permission slips. Yeah. Some people that listen to our show, they get a little triggered or activated by us talking about non-monogamy. We don't talk about non-monogamy in a way we're saying everyone should be non-monogamous. We just highlight all the variations of non-monogamy. And, and when it's triggering to people... My perception is they have some uh, underlining issues with it based on personal experiences, like they were cheated on or lied to, or someone wanted. And have they a were threesome. cheated on and lied to in yeah. a monogamous relationship. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, having yeah, monogamous exactly. relationships isn't some force field yeah. that protects you from betrayal or adultery or infidelity. Yeah. And also, the craziest thing everyone does now—I don't know how you guys feel about this. I'm sure you've talked about it. Micro infidelities. Oh, is like, that? Like justifying like little, little, like emotional well, love affair kind of things. It's or? identifying everything is cheating. Looking at oh. porn is cheating. Having oh, a yeah. work friend of the opposite sex is cheating. Sending an email to your ex on her birthday or his birthday just to say, oh, fuck happy that. birthday. I can't get on board with that. Cheating. That's too far. Yeah. It's They're, crazy. Yeah. Like this, everyone, people want to define cheating is unforgivable, then turn around and define everything is cheating and then wonder why they're single again. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. man. That's a, that's a whole different, uh, I I'm, I'm never going to get on board with the micro when micro, um, micro, it's almost like micro shaming. Like, Oh, you're going to be friends with your ex. I'm like, if you are co-parenting with a partner that you had children with, fucking be friends with your ex and co-parent come yes. on yeah. you know what we're going to be the exes of most of the people we date <laughs> yeah, <this laughs> exactly. is true. Like, you have a lot of little short-term relationships i think you know we talk about successful ltrs all the time mm -hmm. one of my sort of hobby horses is we need to talk about successful strs short-term relationships can also be successes mm -hmm. and you're going to have a lot of exes and if you're with somebody and they have nothing but horrible things to say about their exes and none of their exes want to be friends with Red them. Flag. Red flag. Oh my God. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And yet so many people identify being friends with the ex as the red flag when it's actually mm -hmm. a green flag. It's a really good sign. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. A hundred percent agree. So, yeah, I, I love that. Okay. I want to move to the next one. Let's move to F. We didn't move that far along into the, in the alphabet on this one, but, um, but we just want to talk about fuck first. Please tell us why fuck first made its way in your book and why you're so passionate about fucking first. 
30 years ago, the first February 15th rolled around and I got questions from people who were disappointed that they didn't have sex on Valentine's day. And I would have back some, you know, back and forth with these people after email came along. And I discovered pretty quickly that, you know, people went out to dinner and had the cocoa van and a bottle of red wine and chocolate mousse and an appetizer and another bottle of wine. And yeah, of course you didn't fuck after that. Who wants to fuck after that? And I started saying to people, you know, fuck first, fuck and then go out for dinner on Valentine's Day if you must go out to dinner on Valentine's Day. Mm -hmm. And then any other day where it's like a holy sex day of obligation where there's got to be sex or you're going to start to wonder if there's something wrong with the relationship, fuck first. Fuck before the wedding. Fuck before the birthday party. Fuck before your anniversary dinner. Fuck before Valentine's Day dinner. Not to get the fucking out of the way, but just to like build up an appetite for that mm -hmm. Valentine's Day dinner. And you're always going to have a better experience on Valentine's Day if at six o'clock you have some granola and yogurt and a banana and at 7.30 you fuck and then at 9.30 you have a dinner reservation because the restaurant will be emptying out. They'll have lots of food they ordered that they need to get rid of and your portions will be enormous and you'll have worked up an appetite. And then if you go home and you might even fuck again and then get fucked twice on Valentine's Day. Yeah. But people will do this thing where they want to save sex for the end mm -hmm. and then yeah. it doesn't happen and then they read into it not happening that there's something wrong with the relationship. Mm -hmm. And it's like, never save sex for the end. Don't, it's not like, it's not about getting sex out of the way at the start. It's about making sure on those holy days of sex obligation that you actually get to it, which you're the likelier to do holy. if you didn't eat dinner. Mm -hmm. I love that because I, I don't, I don't fuck as great when I'm full in general. I'm like, Who I does? don't want, and I, and I love, anal play and i'm like if i have a full belly of anything i'm not going deep in there so it's <laughs> it's makes so much sense to me and i've lived this for a long time and we actually did an interview yesterday uh amy and i and they the interview uh the interview we the interviewer uh was asking us about this concept mm -hmm. and I was like, it makes total sense. It makes total sense to me because I don't want to be like all gassy or there's like some people get aggravated by the food they they have eaten if they have dairy intolerances or whatever it is. And you don't want to puke the cocoa van up into somebody's lap, Ooh, right? That's not sexy. Mid, mid plus, blow job, plus, sucking that cock. A woman, I want to make up if I fuck during or right before I'm all like, prepped for my for my dinner or I look sexy or an event I'm like no you can't you can't because then if I'm like I'm sucking cock or anything I don't want my makeup to have to be smeared that's a whole different project okay so maybe I'm high maintenance I like, I like the smeared makeup but it stays smeared it's part of like the the hot sex thing but I don't want to go out to dinner after the smeared makeup, what, so I have to yeah. touch my makeup so fuck that yeah I um <laughs> I like the fuck first so I, we were saying this in the podcast yesterday that I, so I'm I need snacks regularly throughout the day just because of my body's makeup and so I would I, I'm like have a light appetizer or a snack then the sex then the meal works then really well dinner. for me yes yeah and then I'm all amped and ready you need to go. a little fuel you need something to go on yeah in our house yeah. that's just a banana and some granola maybe yeah, perfect um and that that carries you through and then you work up an appetite. Mm -hmm. for dinner you could have some uh cbd gummies or some thc gummies for for appetizer that's your like, appetizer yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just get high as balls <laughs> it's not the first time so uh, okay let's move on from the fuck first which i love to talk about the ggg the triple g the g trifecta so it stands for good giving and game can you share more about this ggg good giving and game 
dot, 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 within reason, game is qualified. Good and bad, like you got to work on those skills. You got to be thoughtful. You also got to work with your partner because what worked with one person might not be like ideal for the next person. You've really got to communicate. Giving means, I think, in the context of a long-term relationship, sometimes you do for your partner. Sometimes you have maintenance sex. Sometimes you give them pleasure without an immediate return on that. Uh, you know, hopefully the relationship is reciprocal and sometimes they're meeting your needs or coming through for you when you're horny and they're not. And like, so that's giving and game means up for anything within reason. And one person's reasonable is another person's unreasonable. And there are fetishes that are too far for anybody to expect a partner to indulge them. But, you know, if your partner has a foot fetish, okay. You can't do that. People will literally say to me, I would take a bullet for my partner, but you won't let your partner lick your feet. Come the fuck yeah. on. And this is, I'm really conscious of when I say this to women, I'm telling women sometimes do something that you don't want to do in bed, do something that you don't want to do that he wants to do. And that is weird. And can it be weaponized or be coercive? Nobody should do anything that leaves them traumatized, curled up on the fetal position on the floor cry crying. But sometimes it can really expand your taste, your repertoire, your interests. If you step outside your comfort zone for a partner mm -hmm. and do something that they wanted to do, and they will hopefully do things that you want to do, and you'll have more sexual compatibility, more sexual overlap, mm -hmm. and that can strengthen your relationship. There's a sex researcher at the university or Queen's University in uh, Ontario named Amy Muse, who studied, um, I can't remember what she called it. She came up with a sex researcher name for it. But she proved in, in her studies working with couples that this thing that I'd always been talking about, like sometimes you do for your partner, sometimes you go there and you meet a need of theirs to give them pleasure. And she found that that improved relationship satisfaction, not just for the person being indulged, which you would expect, but for the person doing the indulging, mm -hmm. that they felt closer, more connected, better about the relationship. The person who was stepping outside their comfort zone and doing for their partner. This is a gray area, though, because, you know, one person's very kinky request is another person's like practically vanilla sex and vice versa. So you don't have to do anything you don't want to do. But sometimes we react negatively to a request because it wasn't something we wanted to do or we ever thought of. And it kind of sex negativity in the culture makes us go, oh, no, mm -hmm. when what we need to say is like, oh, and think about it. Yeah. Because you may grow together to enjoy your partner's kinks or sexual interests or sexual erotic scripts. And for women, it's usually less discreet kinks and more kind of erotic scripts mm -hmm. that speak to them. And I'm making generalizations about 4 billion people, 4 billion people, there'll be hundreds of millions of exceptions. The exceptions are likely to listen to shows like mine, shows like yours. So anybody out there who's bumping on that, I see you, I know mm -hmm. that the, you, you're exceptional, but these trends are broadly true. Yeah. You know, men might, you know, be into high heels or, you know, latex or some very specific thing. And women are likely to be into sort of a, a mood or a script. Mm -hmm. uh, and meeting those needs, especially across that gender divide, men and women 
man, sometimes as a gay guy, I think, boy, men and women are just not right for each other. Yeah. What the fuck oh, is no. with that? It makes sense. Totally. It's all backwards. <laughs> so anything that you yeah. can do to like be writer for each other yeah. and reach out across that divide is going to strengthen your relationship. And that's what GGG is all about. It's not about everybody has to be kinky. Everybody has to do whatever their partner wants. Nobody gets everything that they want, but you should err on the side of going there with your partner if you can. Mm -hmm. And having an expansive idea about yeah. sex. That's the thing. I wish uh, I wish women could. Well, the women that I wanted would want to date could grow a penis like because I love penis. But I, I, I've i been with women and I always miss a cock and a silicone one doesn't do it for me. I'm like, I need the the cock. So I but I feel you. They're so different. Men and women are so different. <laughs> We all have we all, like, this is gay, the cock loving club right here. We all gay men and, and and straight women. Like, is there any relationship better than that, except when it comes to the sex? Yeah. Right. Time for a quick break to talk about one of our sponsors who just so happens to be our absolute favorite lube, Uber Lube. Uber Lube is a luxurious silicone lubricant and it enhances intimacy. It's there when you want it and it blends in when you're done with it. So you have control over that lube. It's long lasting and leaves the skin extra velvety. And honestly, y'all, I want it all over my body. Thousands of doctors in the U.S. are recommending UberLube to their patients. It's body-friendly, thus likely to change the pH, and it has vitamin E, so it feels extra moisturizing. There's a reason why we've been a fan of UberLube for years. There's no flavor or scent. It's even great for oral sex, everyone. But it's not just great for sex. You can use it for massage, your hair. You can prevent chafing. It even brings out the colors of your beautiful tattoos. And the bottle is absolutely gorgeous. It looks more like a cosmetic, so you can leave it anywhere shamelessly for easy access. Just go to uberlube.com and use the discount code SHAMELESS10 to get 10% off and free shipping. Again, that's U-B-E-R-L-U-B-E.com right now with code SHAMELESS10 for 10% off and free shipping. This podcast is also brought to you by OMGS.com. Join over 1 million people who are experiencing more pleasure with OMGS. They take scientific research of thousands of vulva owners showing techniques to pleasure that pussy. They turn this research into tasteful, educational short videos, animated modules, and infographics. OMGS is for anyone who wants to learn about vulva pleasure or take it to the next level. Want to take your orgasms from good to out of this world? Then check out OMGS. Or if you're a vulva lover and want to up your pussy pleasuring skills, then you need to check out OMGS. I've personally been recommending OMGS to my clients for years, and it's completely changed their lives. They have three seasons, external pleasure, internal pleasure, and sex toys. It's not a subscription service, and you don't need to download a thing. OMGS also makes a fabulous gift, and your purchase supports more pleasure research. So just go to omgs.com shameless to get 10% off right now. Again, that's omgs.com shameless to receive 10% off unlimited access towards enhancing your pleasure power. The link is in the episode's description. Yeah. And you one know. thing when you were sharing that too, the the part about like kind of I'm thinking of like moving outward out of yourself a little bit or a lot of bit, but not to the point where you're going into like the panic freak the fuck out zone. And we talk about and this isn't ours, but the yes, no, maybe list like, yes, I want to try this. I'm a maybe to this. I'm a no to this. 
Um, I think a lot of people are really quick to just add things to the no list because they heard yeah. a story about it not being great or just sounds brings up some un- feeling of being like uncomfortable or weird or unusual. Or maybe they, ha- they had an experience with it that wasn't that great. And, and I, I feel like when a lot of people take time to, to actually feel into their nose, a lot of them might be a maybe. There might be a little spaciousness. You just have to like take that. If you want to take that step to feel into them and see, huh, maybe is that a really a hard no? Or is there like a little opening to trying some variation of that to meet my partner? And, you know, one of the things my husband and I always say to each other when it comes to sex exploration or either of us stepping outside our comfort zone is what's in it for me, mm-hmm. right? If you're the person doing the indulging, you know what can be in that for you? the satisfaction and the affirmation of how much power you have to turn on your partner. Like you don't get anything out of having your feet massaged or licked or incorporated into sex, but to see how like insanely turned on your foot fetishist partner is by your feet, that itself can be a turn on for you. If you are open to that kind of, you know, responsive desire or that kind of you know, expansive notion about what what is erotic. Mm-hmm. And it's not just about like the items on column A, column B, column C, yes, no, maybe. It's about interactions and interpersonal dynamics. Mm-hmm. And that dynamic can be sexy enough, you know, the power, the interplay to make something that isn't on, wasn't even on any of your list, wasn't on your yes, no, or maybe you'd never even thought of it. It can make that erotic for you because your partner's so turned on and so grateful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've been talking about trying to start up a OnlyFans for April's feet. Everyone, if you're interested, please email us and let us know how interested you are so we'll actually get it going. Okay, well, we're fast forward to people in feet, though. Like, I mean, I more and more have been hearing about I love it. And I'm like, what? Like, I want to know what to do with my feet, though. If I have them, do you just show them? Do you just like, do I, do I Dan's peel advantage your banana? For you. What do I do? I, I, think I don't depends. know if you have them, actually. I've never seen you. I've never seen all of you just like yeah. uh, from the ribs like, up. Does she even have feet? About, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you have feet or not. I can't vouch for your feet. But but yeah. I think it's wonderful. Like, why should boobs get all the attention forever? Seriously. I'm with you on this. I yeah. just want to know what to do with them. Because my boobs, I could I could figure out. I maybe. think what you would do is have the only fans people make requests of what they want you oh. to do for the okay. with the photos. Okay. Like sometimes they want to see like the bit like the the, the backsides of you. Sometimes they want to see your feet dirty. They want to see the toenail polish. They want to see you chipping gotta, toenail polish. It really see. depends on the foot fetishes. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah. It's like some people, it is the it's called partialism where there's, you know, the parts of our brain that like wire us to be into butts or boobs. It just wired their brain to be into feet and you don't have to do anything with your feet. It's just the foot. It's like having the boob in your hand. Mm -hmm. Having the foot in your hand is as much a turn on. Other people, the foot is symbolic of domination or submission or or degradation. Like they're down at your feet. And Mm -hmm. so to, to know somebody's into feet doesn't give you all the information that you need about what they want from your feet or what they're going to get out of your feet or put into your feet. I, I can okay. see April's just into the someone bowing down her feet. She well, had the smile on her face. I like, I just, oh. <laughs> how, how do I present my feet to be, you know, I want to stylize my feet because I'm all into it, the aesthetics of them. I think we'll work on this so, later we'll on air. Yes. I, I just, it's come up so many times in the last few interviews we've done with multiple, with multiple people. And I'm like, okay, maybe this is a sign from the universe. Like April, get your feet mm-hmm. on the interweb. Yeah. There are a lot of people out there monetizing their feet. Yeah. Okay. Never, never post a foot pic for free. No. So you want this foot pic, send me some Gucci's and then I'll <laughs> put right. those shoes on. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's move to S. 
Okay, this one's kind of fun, and I didn't read about it in the book. I have some ideas. Secret perving. What the heck is secret perving? <laughs> we have had really important conversations about consent. You know, when I started writing Savage Love, um, it was no means no, and then yes means yes, and centering consent, um, and it being affirmative and ongoing and active. And now we're having a whole wave of writing and criticism about consent not being enough. Christine Emba's really terrific book, Rethinking Sex, that knowing an interaction was consensual doesn't tell you whether it was good or that people left it feeling good about themselves, that consent is not the ceiling, it's the floor, mm -hmm. right? So we've had these discussions about consent and secret perving kind of, for some people, trips their wires about what's consensual and not consensual. So somebody's got a, going to go back to foot fetish. Somebody's got a foot fetish and gets a job in a shoe store where they're handling people's feet. Is that allowed? And how do you disallow it if you want to disallow that? How do you know for sure that the person who helped you try on shoes wasn't gratified by that in some way that you wish they weren't, right? You can't control that. And we actually move through the world with a lot of people secret perving all around us. There's the businessman in the business suit in the business meeting who's wearing you know, women's underwear and garters and stockings under his suit. And he's really turned on by the fact that he's wearing all this in this room with all these people who don't know. Mm -hmm. Is he violating their right to consent to be involved in his perversions, in his perving, right? And I think it's allowable. Think of the couple that goes out to dinner and they both have remote control vibrators in each other. And they each have the like control in their hands and they're kind of zapping each other and like one's trying to order and the other's like dialing it up and they're squirming in their seat. And the waiter's like, what the fuck is wrong with these two? But doesn't know, is that allowed? And if part of their turn on is like doing this in a room full of people who have no idea, is that allowed? And I think that's allowed. Mm -hmm. They call it secret perving. And so long as your secret perving is secret, it's allowable. It's permissible. So that means, you know, if you're the guy who works in the shoe store and you have a foot fetish, you can't pant, you can't drool, you can't flush, you can't have visible erections. You have to have enough self-control that the other person can't perceive it. Not whether you think you're showing it or not. It really depends on the other person's perceptions. Mm -hmm. And then it's allowable. And secret perving makes the world go round and it's really sexy and fun. And people do it all the time. And I don't want secret perving to have to go away because uh, because consent is important. Mm -hmm. But we have erotic inner lives and we have erotic sort of whirly gigs in our heads that are spinning all the time. We can't put them on a shelf or turn them off. And one of the things that makes life pleasurable and enjoyable is at certain points, you know, you're having an erotic experience that no one around you is even aware that you're having. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to forbid those. I think they those give spice to life. Mm -hmm. And I, if people are secret perving around me, I don't care. I'm all Yeah, perv away. Are there, are there people fun. that push back from, from I, I mean, I, I have no issue. I feel I secret perv all the time, probably like I do kegels and I get like kind of like in the grocery store and I'm like, Oh, I'm getting a little turned on right now with this cucumber. And, you and, and I, I'm like, that's secret perving, I guess it's not consensual. I'm like, I'm not harming no anyone. Everything we do. That's what I'm saying. So what I like, I just think yeah, secret perving should be back. okay. Yeah. 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 Per perving on people is not okay. Secretly mm -hmm. perving on a circumstance or in a, in a public place absolutely okay and if people were honest everybody would admit that they've 
done it at some point. Uh, yeah. And it reminds me of, I mean, it's d- different, but similar for my brain is we were talking about jealousy on your show yesterday. I think it's all about what you do with it, right? Like, you know, you're, or like, I think we were answering a sex question about, on your show about someone feeling a turn on in, in a massage environment, you know, and then like, am I creepy? But it, like, no, you're not creepy because these are just thoughts and feelings in your body that you're not putting outward and changing someone else's experience without them consenting to that. So I like that distinction. And I am a secret perp and I'm proud. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. Me and too. I'm a not so secret perv sometimes, but also <laughs> I have, I have secretly perved, and it's it's a it's a blast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's almost like, you know, when you were a kid and you had to find a place to have sex on the sly, right? You know, you had to sleep sneak somebody in your room and you had to be super quiet because your parents were there and you didn't want to get caught or busted. And part of the fun of secret perving is recreating for yourself in adulthood that fear of getting busted Mm -hmm. or caught. Mm -hmm. And and that's exciting. And Mm -hmm. people want that. That's what uh, say a part of their erotic lives. One fun story. Um, I won't say the names, but somebody used to work at Pure Pleasure back in the day, April, who you know, she would was afraid of the dentist. So she would wear a the butt bling butt plug in her ass to the oh. dentist. And it and it wasn't because it this is different than perving, but like, you know, if they found out, like you have a butt plug in right now, it might be a thing. But she did it because it helped her to stop like thinking about how much she hates the dentist or how scared she is of all the tools in her mouth, and she just focused on the butt plug. Loved it, thought it was brilliant. I completely agree. I support that lifestyle choice. I was always hoping when I would go through the airport like TSA pre-check in the U.S. that they would seek perv. I'm like, I think I look good under this. But then I learned that they can't even see your body. So then I was like, damn it. But if you had a metal butt plug, I'm pretty sure they'd right, see so that. So maybe that will be me letting them secret perv and be like, guess what? You're welcome. That's right. That's not secret though, because then they're seeing it. Okay, anyways. But, that's up, but isn't that up to me? What about the, this has come up. People wear male chastity devices, locking cock cages. If you wear one to the airport, they're going to see it. Let's see, they're they're going to see it. One machine, they're going to see in the other one. Yeah, brisked. Yeah. And for some people, being caught like that is a turn on. See, that's that's a point where I think it passes from secret perving to a non-consensual involvement of a Mm -hmm. civilian in your kink. Yeah. Because if you're turned on because they're mortified, and they know that you're driving some pleasure from how they're feeling about having to pat down your cock cage that you can't take off. I think that's not okay. It's like the same wearing as flashing. the cock cage, yeah. yeah. wearing the cock cage to the gym and somebody else looking at your crotch long enough to realize you're wearing a chastity device under your shorts and that being a little bit of a turn on. Well, that person was nominating themselves to participate in your kink by staring at your dick long enough <laughs> yeah. to figure it the fuck out. Mm-hmm. And it's it's different. So I, I get like Talmudic about this. Mm-hmm. I turn into a rabbi and we want to like parse these things <laughs> to figure out what's permissible or not. Okay, well, I'll, I'll rethink the metal butt plug, but maybe a silicone butt plug at the airport. The sure. silicone butt plug at the airport. Okay. <laughs> I will. And I'll you can go get and there. There are plastic male chastity devices that you can wear through okay. metal detectors. Well, then they're there. Them off. Yeah. Okay. So I There's like options. this. See, yeah. that's that's the neutrality I'm going for with secret perving because I'm all about secret perving, but perving no. Okay. Let's move into something because you have um, a top tip which I love, especially in in regards to sex advice, and it's what are you into, and can you talk about why this is such an important question? Gay guys are better at sex, know more about sex, and have more sex. And it's not because we're magic. Uh, It's because we have to communicate with each other in a way that straight people can, but often don't. Um, When a man and a woman get to consent, the conversation about sex usually stops. Uh, It's going to be PIV, vaginal intercourse. That's what straight sex is. Maybe there'll be some oral 
in the foreplay and some rolling around, but this is what we're building to, and we don't have to talk about it anymore. When a guy goes to bed with a guy, what happens? You have to talk about it. You know, maybe anal is a default setting for a lot of gay guys now. It wasn't always so much, but you had to ask who was going to fuck who. And the I call them the four magic words. It's the beginning of every first time same sex male encounter. One guy will say to the other guy, I've been in situations where both guys blurted it out simultaneously. What are you into? And at that moment, you can rule anything in, anything out. You can say, I'm not into anal or I don't feel up to anal right now. I'm just into oral, just in mutual masturbation. I just want to roll around. I want to do this. I want to do that. And it's really empowering. And, you know, you can't be gay unless you manage to say something to people about who you are. That's hard for a lot of people to say at first. And so saying what it is that you want to your sex partner and having these conversations after you get to consent that the conversation continues about what you're into is really empowering for me when i was like 18 years old when i first started having sex well 16 years old sex with guys for me as a teenage boy to be asked by a male sex partner what is it that you want expect desire what are you up for was so empowering and when i started writing savage love i would get questions from women and i would think no one has ever asked her what she's into ever mm. and how sad that is that a woman doesn't have that same ability having sex with a man like i've had sex with men to rule anything in anything out and i'm constantly saying to straight guys if every time you said yes to sex your ass got fucked you'd say yes less often <laughs> if you That's want true. the women that you're dating <laughs> to say yes to sex more often Maybe she's not always the one getting penetrated. Maybe sometimes it's just oral with you going down on her. Maybe sometimes it's mutual masturbation or toys and porn. And then you'd have sex more. You need to have, I'm always telling people, have a really broad definition of sex and you'll have more sex. Have a really narrow definition of cheating and you get cheated on less often. <laughs> I know those things are intention kind of, but it actually, that contradiction can save yeah, your sex life and save your relationship. Yeah. And so, yeah, I just think, Straight people should steal what are you into from gay people the way we stole marriage from you and ask each other <laughs> that. <laughs> and, and, and then, you know. No, I almost missed that one. <laughs> a, a gay guy says to me, like, not into anal. And I'm like, okay, great. We'll do all these other things. I think if a woman said to the average straight man, not into vaginal, his head would explode because he'd be like, what you, you just said you wanted to have sex with me. And now you're saying you don't have sex at all. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, there's all these other things that we could be doing it, and that it, I might want to do or might be up for. And guys, if you want women to be, I hear this all the time, like, you know, straight guys saying they wish women were more like gay men. Mm -hmm. You want women to be more like gay men, ask them what they're into. Yeah. And then roll with it when they say, I'm going to fuck your ass tonight, or I just want you to go down on me or go down on each other or whatever and, and and regard everything that's not piv not as a sad consolation prize but as sex mm -hmm. and so i'm hearing the distinction because we actually have talked about this on our show a lot where people including ourselves get a little frustrated when we're like being intimate with someone starting to have sex or having sex and they're like what do you like and and so i'm hearing the difference between what are you into and what do you like what are you into is happening probably before sex and yes. maybe during and, and you know all these other times and not just like we're in the, the heat of the moment and then you freeze because they're like tell me what you like like i don't know like we're doing try some things right now and like keep on going so is that is that it it's like it's something that happens before the sexual well engagement. usually people 
But when people say, what do you like in the moment as you're having sex? They often mean like, I'm penetrating you. Do you like fast or slow? Yeah. Do you like deep or hard? Do you want me to slam your cervix or do you want me just to like tease the outer limits? What do you like in the moment while you're having sex is usually about intensity or sensation. What are you into is about who you are sexually, what turns you on, what you want to do. And then you have conversations about, you know, I want to be fucked. Well, how do you want to be fucked? Mm -hmm. What are you into is I want to be fucked or not. What do you like is how you want to be fucked. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Perfect, perfect distinction. Okay, so you have written, I believe it's five books, and I have the names here that we have The Commitment, Skipping Towards Gamora, The Kid, American Savage, and your latest Savage Love from A to Z. Uh, can you please tell us a little bit about all of them, or, or the your favorite? You, yeah, your or favorite. your favorites with yeah. the ones oh you God. want to share a little bit about, so our listeners um, have an idea of what what you've written about. Uh, the kid is about my then boyfriend and I uh, adopting our, our son. The commitment is about my then boyfriend and I deciding to get married, uh, and what that meant. Skipping toward Gamora was a book about purity politics and. Uh, not the purity politics of the left, but the puritanism of the right. And it was a defense of uh, a lot of things that people regarded as sinful. I took mm -hmm. the seven deadly sins and wrote about seven deadly sins in America and sort of defended um, pleasure and sin, mm -hmm. what other people might regard as sin. American Savage is a collection of essays about politics, uh, my mother's death, uh, about assisted suicide, about uh, Obamacare, about guns. It's just like my thoughts on a lot of different things. I think as a sex writer, I'm allowed to talk about. Mm -hmm. uh, I always tell people who tell me to stick to sex and leave politics alone, that as soon as politicians leave sex alone, I will leave politics alone. Until then, I'm going to talk about politics because they won't shut up about sex. We've heard so that on our show fair. too. They've said that to us. Like, stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. And we're like, are you fucking kidding? I thought me? it was just because we were women and that men received yeah, that less. I didn't, I'm, I'm like, I feel... Uh, I'm, oh. I feel better about knowing that you've not that, that not that we wish it upon you. No, no. I get it all the time. Stick to okay. dildos or sit yeah. on a dildo. But yeah, whenever there, politics there's politics comes up. in dildos, everyone. Okay, <laughs> so, and yeah. dildos and politicians. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. They're inside the politicians sometimes. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, you're just you you're know just... some of them are secretly perving on the floor of Congress. Of you course. know somebody's got a toy in or women's underwear on. Oh yeah, that's happening. Yeah, no doubt about that. And then also just, we've been talking about Savage Love from A to Z, but if you want to give us just like a little highlight for the people that are listening about what this book, and what inspired you to write this book, what this book is about. Um, it's a collection of essays uh, tied to the 30th anniversary of the column where I just, you know, worked with uh, Joe Newton, who does the illustrations for Savage Love and has for 20 years. He does these beautiful, almost like, kids storybook style illustrations for the filth in my column um, that are so witty and so funny. And he wanted to bring out a book with his illustrations beautifully reproduced uh, on really high quality paper with some essays by me. So we just took like A is for anal, uh, B is for, I think bondage. Now I don't remember. It's been a few years since I wrote this book. Um, and I like just did a kind of savage love download about each of these topics you know, G, of course, was for GGG. I think D was for DTMFA and took the big ideas that I've been turning over in Savage Love for 30 years and developing and working on and dumped them all into one book. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, the illustrations are beautiful. Looking, the yeah. content's They're playful. incredible. It reminds me of like where the wild things are a little bit, right? <laughs> uh, because yeah. it has that whimsical nature and 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 very relatable, fun for everyone. It's a great coffee table book to have out because it's a conversation starter. So if y'all um, are out there, uh, not only check out Dan's podcast because um, it's been out for ages and it's still it's still one of my favorite podcasts, especially in sexuality. And um, you're just, you're, you're, uh, you're just a legend. I really, I really do value. Thank you for the work that you've done for this world. Thank you for the, the, the consistent contributions and the evolution of your work and for your time being here with us. Um, can you tell folks not only where they can buy your books, but if they want to find you, if we're going to find you. Can you tell them, uh, yeah, how to, how to find more of Dan Savage? I have everything of mine now at my own website, savage.love. And there you can find uh, my column, my podcast, uh, Struggle Session, which I do every week where I respond to listener comments and uh, reader comments and feedback and uh, go off on length about it. My bonus podcast, Sex and Politics, where I have longer form conversations with guests um, like Michelle Goldberg from the New York Times, um, Jamie Kerchick, uh, who's a writer for um, Tablet. Uh, and yeah, it's all there at savage.love. I'm on Instagram at uh, at Dan Savage, Throughout's at Dan Savage, Blue Sky at Dan Savage. I'm still on Twitter uh, <laughs> at fake Dan Savage. But I feel very <laughs> conflicted You're fake about Dan it. Savage. And and thank you for the very kind words. And what you guys do is amazing. And that you picked it up, the sex positive conversation to continue to run with it mm-hmm. um, yourselves is is terrific. And I love your show. Well, we, we adore you, Dan. Thank you so much. And, uh, to all of our listeners out there, be sure to to check out Dan's books and his podcast and your column. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll have to check out the sex and politics now because I love that you get political. It drives, uh, a big like desire in me uh, that I, I I love getting political, but not on this channel. Um, so thank you for that because I need a little bit of insertion from time to time to motivate me. Hey, um, so uh, to all of our listeners out there, thank you so much for being part of Amy and I's shameless sex revolution. We love you all so very much and we'll see you next Tuesday. Ciao for now. Want to learn more? Go to shamelesssex.com and for 15% off of some of our favorite sex toys, use coupon code shamelesssex at purepleasureshop.com.